Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. Her father was a young aristocrat from the Warfield family. Just before he died of tuberculosis, he named his infant daughter after eminent Baltimore attorney Severn Teekel Wallace. In straightened circumstances, his widow had to move into her mother-in-law's mansion in Baltimore and accept handouts to make ends meet. Young Wallace lived her childhood between poverty and riches, hobnobbing with prominent financiers, lawyers, and politicians, while so poor her mother had to make all of her clothes. When the time came to send her off to boarding school, not everyone liked her. Some thought she was lively and kind, and praised the fact that despite her deep blue eyes and obvious charm, she never moved in on another girl's bow. Fondly, they called her Skinny, a nickname she loved. Others weren't so nice. She was a climber, they said, so ambitious she'd step on her grandmother's stomach to get where she wanted to go. The year she was to make her social debut at Cotillion happened to be 1914, and her wealthy uncle thought it would be unseemly to throw the obligatory party with a war going on in Europe. Her godmother, one of the wealthiest women in Baltimore, did give a party, but for another girl. At the last minute, her mother's Virginia cousin, who'd married the Commandant of the Marine Corps, came to her rescue with a grand party in Washington. Handsome young officers in dress uniform whirled her society friends about the dance floor to the music of the full 60-piece Marine Corps band. Glorious as the evening was, it wasn't in Baltimore, and it didn't get her into Baltimore society. The next year, having accepted an invitation from another of her mother's cousins to visit Florida, she fell in love with a dashing young flyer at the Pensacola Naval Air Station. Against the family's wishes, they married, to her regret. The dashing pilot turned out to be a jealous, abusive drunk, who locked her in the bedroom and once spread all her family photographs on the floor in front of her and stepped on them. In California, where they moved following a transfer, she left him. A brief reunion in Washington after the war ended badly, and she horrified her family by filing for divorce. There followed years of travel, to Paris with money from family, to China as a guest of friends. Along the way, there were flings, flirtations, and romantic liaisons, all conducted on the fringe of the best society. She was always asking friends to get her invited to this party or that, one young heiress recalled. She was pushy. She had to be, because she was never quite in. Too many men around her, and not top-drawer men either. Eventually, she settled in a humble hotel room in Warrenton, Virginia, where a friend remembered her as being only moderately attractive. Her mouth was too big, her nose was too long, and her clenched teeth grin was almost grotesque. But her eyes and her hair were very nice, so was her voice, and her figure was trim, and she shone at parties. She could dance up a storm and match drinks with anyone. Forced to live on her husband's military allotment of $225 a month, she had to play poker and win for extra cash. When one Virginia gentleman proposed, she replied, Uh-uh, you're poor and I'm poor and we both need money. With that uppermost in her mind, she went to New York to visit friends. There, she met a young shipping magnate who was divorcing his wife. He was mild-tempered, intelligent, and even better, wealthy. Yet when he asked her to marry him and move to London, she refused. One friend said it was because, at 31 and destitute, she needed time to check his financial status. From France, where she had gone again to stay with friends, she wrote to tell him that she had reconsidered and would marry him if he gave her a Buick convertible and a month-long tour of the continent. He agreed. Happy at last, she told a friend, I'll never have to sing for my supper anymore. I'm going to live in England and have a little garden and lead a quiet life. Nobody will ever see or hear of me again. Her friend laughed and joked, 
don't fall in love with the Prince of Wales. No one could see it at the time, but the course of European history was about to change. <laughs>